When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. It is Monday, June 1st, 2020. 8.03 is the time. Welcome to a special edition of Jason and Alexis in the Morning on My Talk 1071. I'm Jason Matheson along with Alexis Thompson, Don McClain, and Kenny. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, programming note, uh, we are going to be on the air. Our show is uh, through the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Um, I'm sorry, up until the 10 o'clock hour. And then uh, Don and Steve will be on from 10 to 12. Uh, Colleen and Bradley, 12 to 3. And then Lori and Julia, 3 to 6. Uh, this was because of the curfew. Uh, uh, Don and I, if you, just logistically, um, we are still physically coming into the building. So we had to shift the schedule today to make sure we weren't in violation. We could drive to work, but just safety before anything. So uh, we shifted our programming schedule a little bit uh, today. So thank you for being here. Um, what do you say? I, 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 I texted uh, a couple people in the commercial break there. What do you say coming out of a conversation like that with an individual like that? I'm feeling so hopeful. Me too. You guys, I was so anxious for this show. I thought, I don't know what I expected, but you know, to look past the damage destruction realizing that that's not at the heart of what we're getting at here and what needs to happen i i'm just feeling so much better i had so much anxiety coming into this just thinking you know how will this conversation go and um it yeah feeling super hopeful and and that i want to be a part of this and to help absolutely absolutely dawn yeah the same i mean uh, you know, didn't sleep a lot last night. Um, you know, over the weekend, you just, when you think things couldn't get any worse, you know, we saw that truck drive almost Ugh. into the crowd. Um, it was an act of God that no one was hurt. I cannot yes. believe yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever reason, we don't know the reason yet. But anyway, my point is, is that I felt, I I was saying yesterday, you know, we, we thought it was bad. And then you see worse and worse things. And what's what's next? But now that we have somebody like this, and, you know, this can be you, if you're listening right now, you can go out and start a movement to clean, to help, you know, because right now we have felt, exactly, we have felt paralyzed by this. And um, to not know what to do because we're afraid to go out. I mean, I'm afraid to go out. Um, And and so now this is... uh, this is something different, and it's a light that started within him that's just spreading to people who felt hopeless. Be the Pierre. It's just be the Pierre. That's yeah. right. Yeah, what a, like that. Seriously, what? be the Pierre. What I mean, a great it's... guy. Kenny, I gave him your oh. number and your last name. 
Yeah. Um, okay. well, we don't even know that, right. but uh, again. No, no but I, that's why I, I realized wanted... I, Go ahead, I'm going to be busy until 2 p.m., um, but after 2 p.m., you know, yeah, I, after I that. have a job to do. Um, but he yeah. can get you in contact it, with people that are probably taking yes. over where he's leaving off. Yes, and uh, this might have not have made the air right when we started at 7 a.m. because we were having technical difficulties. But, Jason, you and I were discussing what we saw yeah. on Lake Street on Saturday morning. And I had uh, I had turned off of Lake Street onto, uh, excuse me, turned off of Hiawatha onto westbound Lake Street and was immediately greeted by... Uh, World War II style devastation uh, and a f- just a smattering of people cleaning up and I headed west on Lake and as I got to Chicago Avenue that devastation had increased tenfold um, but what was happening was the amazing cleanup effort that was going on on Lake Street all the way down to I, I turned off at Park Avenue and it was people of all races and all incomes from uh, the neighborhoods, from far away, the suburbs, from way, way out. People showing up with trailers and tools and equipment to clean up. And they were Protesters literally, coming, too, with equipment to help. They were literally asked to elbow. And I went oh. from utter despair. I was at the point of a complete breakdown to feeling very, very optimistic and knowing that we've got this handled. No matter what happens, we're going to deal with this and we're going to clean up and, and we're going to come together and, and we're going to be one people despite our many, many differences. And as for justice, I do feel that justice is going to be served. We need to we need to keep doing what we're doing. We need to get these three other three officers uh, yes. arrested or under scrutiny. We and, and we need to follow through on this, and we need to make some serious serious changes in this country. It's it's way too late, but we got to do it right now today. And, and I think people are going to change this. I'm, Alex, I apologize. I didn't mean to step on you there, sweetie. No, go ahead. I, I was just saying. I'm it, absolutely. I just. Oh, yes, to hear this is just amazing, and it's true. We are going to change this. We have to demand better. Especially people that look like me. You yes, know what I mean? Especially you. people that look like me. Yes. Um, because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take bluntly white people talking to other white people bluntly yes. and having really uncomfortable conversations. I, I don't want to get all into it, but I shared this with Dawn. I had a very uncomfortable conversation over the weekend. Um, with a lot of anger and a lot of bluntness and a lot of honesty, um, probably one of the most uncomfortable conversations I've ever had in my life. But you know what? That is the effing least I can do. That is the effing least I can do every single day. You know, I think, I think to myself, oh, well, you know, um, you know, I, I do this and I do that. You know what? I am I, I, for myself and I can only speak for myself. But I, I am beyond privileged. You know, not only do I live a really great life, but I was born white. So right there, I'm, I'm, I'm born into uh, advantages. But I have, t- I have several amazing platforms. And I just thought to myself, I can do way better. I can do, I can do way better myself. Uh, looking at what I can do and, and, and shining a light on black-owned businesses, shining a light on black performance art. I, I can do better in my own life. And I think if all of us took an inventory, everybody that looks like me, mm-hmm. if we all took an inventory 
on. Uh, and again, that's why I said what I said to Pierre. Racism, racism isn't just an outward emotion. It is, it is, it is a system. It's systematic. It's systematic. It needs and that, to change. And when people hear that term, it's not a buzz for it. When you hear systematic racism, that's what it is. It's a system that's been around for generations that works uh, at the advantage of uh, one kind of folk. Folks, and, and, and works at the disadvantage of another kind of folk. It's it's no accident that in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, uh, with homes with white uh, with a white head of household, seventy five percent of them own a home. In in black communities, twenty five percent, twenty five percent. That uh, that's not an accident. And that's and that's looking at if you look at this if you look at that st- stat and you look go down one level deeper, that's when everything is on par. Mm-hmm. When credit rating and employment is on par, uh, black folks can't get loans the way that we can. That's yeah. that's what I mean by that. Um, well, and to to so to to have the evidence right in front of us to watch what happened to him, and there has been new video too that he was beaten in the police car, sitting in the car, and then to see the other three that are definitely part of this killing murder of George Floyd and to not look at his face, hear him calling out for his mom and not see your face, not see the face of someone that you love on the ground dying in front of us. Where is humanity? And then you get upset with the people who are are looting and it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. But we need to remember that the focus is really on getting justice and changing the system, making it fair for everyone. And when we focus just on that, other than helping to clean and to come together as a community, it is a distraction. And that is exactly what, you know, the uh, other people who, you know, the extremists who have come into the cities want. That's what they want. They want that. And, you know, they want the further division. Lex. They do, because when we come together, look what happens when we come together. We raise more than two million dollars for the Lake Street neighborhoods and communities. We come together. We clean up. We we are all to not if, if you don't see him as a human being, I don't want to know you. You are a terrible person to care more about your buildings. We can rebuild and we are showing that. But to not look at him and go, he is a human, and that is not right what happened. And this happens all the time. You know, my husband is Latino, and I'm sorry, this is just my own experience. He gets pulled over. In fact, on Sunday, he was going to drive. We have a space at Antiques, Minnesota. We are a small business. We sell vintage toys. And he drove just uh, from, you know, we live north of the cities to Burnsville, and he he was followed. You know why he thinks he was followed? Not only is he brown, but he had a black hoodie on. Do you have to worry about that? I don't. Right, and I don't. I'm what, Lex? I, I'm not I making a joke. I've so many times for just, and we'll ask him, like, I've been in the car when it's happened. I'm like, officer, why did you pull us over? Oh, well, um, just... Just because, and you know, I even, even for me, it blew my mind. I'm sitting there, we're driving in Mora, Minnesota, which my dad grew, was spent part of his childhood there. He grew up right behind, on a farm, behind the Dairy Queen, and I was taking my husband to show him where my dad grew up. We got pulled over for no reason. And he even said it, like, oh, they're going to pull me over. I know it. I know it. And I'm like, no, they're not. No, they're not. And it freaking happened. And I was like, why did you pull us over? Well, just because. We just want to make sure. What? 
Does that happen to you guys? No, and Lexus is not a joke. Dawn's looking no, at me right never. now. I'm literally wearing a black hoodie right now. And when oh, I and when see? I get in and when I get in the car, I'm not joking, Lex. When I get in the car today, when Colin picks me up, uh, as uh, we're not going to have to worry about that. No, my, my ass will not get picked up. And not worry about being shot. Can you go shopping without being followed? Yes. I can do all those things and not worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I, I have a free pass because of how I look. That's the it's terrible. stark truth of and it. And it needs to change. And I, I'm, you know, it, it makes me, I can totally understand why, why you're angry. I do understand why you're angry. It's it's just appalling. It really is. And it, and it's it has to just, change. Right, and it's not enough just to post on social media, guys. No. Because once the once the Instagrams go back yes. to selfies instead yep. of quotes from Maya Angelou, and I'm not being snarky, yes. I'm being really blunt. Yeah. Once once the Instagram switches back into what you're eating and where you're where you're eating, and once the hashtags uh, fade from memory, and once newscasters go back to reporting on the car chase of the day, this yep. is still going to be there for people that don't look like the three of us. And I'm leaving Alexis out because Alexis is a person of color. But this is going to remain. I will be able to go back and post stupid-ass pictures of Dallas. I will be able to go back yeah. and go to Disney World. I, will, I, I, I have the luxury of forgetting about this when it's no longer making headlines. People that look like Angel, people that look like Pierre, people that look like George Floyd will not be able to just let this go when we all let it go. So it's going to be up to us to do it the is. hard work. It's going to be up to us to do the hard work that once this fades from in demand change, when this is no longer in the news. That's what it's going to take. It is. That's what. Yes, exactly. Because there are more of us that feel this impassioned and feel this way than there are the evil people. There are more of us. That's what I have to have hope in my heart for. We have to believe it. Yes. It is 816. We're going to take a brief pause. We'll be back. Thank you for joining us. On uh, a really special edition of our show, I'm, I'm, yeah, Jason and Alexis in the morning. I'm Jace with Lex, Don, and Kenny. It is a 8:21. Um, full disclosure: uh, we're gonna. This is gonna be a rather short segment. Uh, on the other side, though, it will all be worth it. Alexis, can you give our friends listening a little preview? Of, uh, of the next voice we're going to hear. Yeah, uh, next we're going to hear from uh, James Garrett Jr. He is an architect. Um, he started Formula, and he's a community leader. He's a five-generation St. Paulite, and um, he's also the father of two young boys. He's been fighting for many, many years, and also um, he has a fun My Talk connection. Oh. He went to high school with our very... This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
very own Rocco Bonello. <laughs> oh. Uh, he was in talks oh, with so the mayor. So he knows the story. Yeah, we might get some dish on the good old Rocco guys. That's right. A little moment of <laughs> levity. Speculate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. But he was in talks over the weekend with the mayors and other community leaders. And uh, he has a very important voice. Uh, and we all need to hear what he has to say. Yeah, Lex and I spoke. Uh, you know, Dawn and I spoke last week. I, Lex and I spoke a, a couple times this weekend. And... Uh, the intention about the intention of this broadcast specifically today. Um, and we wanted some voices uh, to be shared with all of you. Um, and he is one of them. And then at the top of the nine, I'm thrilled. Cause again, programming note, uh, we're going to be on uh, until 10 AM this morning. Um, I'm really thrilled. Uh, my friend Justin Sutherland will be joining us. Oh, good! I'm glad. Yeah, that, that happened. Yes. Yeah, that just uh, firmed, firmed up right before we uh, we opened up our mics this morning. Justin Sutherland is uh, well. I will lead with humanity. He's just a well. He's just a good human being. Absolutely. Um, he's just a good human being, and that was going to be one I'm going to try not to cry through. But uh, he's also uh, an incredible businessman. He's a he is a, a black business owner. Um, a chef. Um, he's just and and on the front. He was literally. He couldn't. He didn't text back last night because he was marching for hours. And uh, and 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 I'm just so so uh, honored that he was going to be sharing his voice um, with all of you coming up at the top of the nine. So uh, we have a, a really good show, and I would invite you all to stick around if you can. Um, yeah, and thank you uh, in advance. Uh, Kenny, before we go to break here a little early, I do uh, just a, a little moment of levity before we start crying again. Um, yeah. I never thought in the world, you and Hanson have turned into Bernstein and... Uh, <laughs> you guys! You, you guys. <laughs> Stephanie, okay, here's the three on most unlikely media stars over this last weekend. And again, I'm acknowledging we're just taking a brief respite here. This is what community does, guys. Yeah, it is. Uh, we have Bernstein here. We have uh, Kenny Olsen and Stephanie Hansen teaming up like Cagney and Lacey of the reporting world. I have to tell you, Hanson, oh my God, she cracks me up. The, the thing that started all this was Hanson sending me a DM on Twitter asking some kind of question and and she wanted answers for something and i my response to her was hey uh dum dum you've got my phone number why don't you text me <laughs> <laughs> and we just went from there <laughs> and it was very organic and nothing was planned we didn't say hey let's let's do this it's just you know hansen's inner hansen coming out and Kenny's inner Kenny, and early on, I decided, you know what, this is not the time to to be airing political nonsense or accusations or any of that crap. I just want to air what I'm hearing, yes. what I'm seeing, and pure information that isn't tainted by one side or one person's opinion. So I'm sure Stephanie got the same amount of reactions to her tweets that I did, and I got to tell you, a lot of them just went. Uh, ignored uh, I, i'd see some of the reactions to the innocent stuff i tweeted and i'm like wow you're really out on that side or oh. that side um but we had uh, we had a lot of fun and she listened to the scanner for the i think it might have been the first time in her life and she was very shocked at what she was hearing 
and I thought she related it very, very well via Twitter. I thought Steph did a wonderful job. She was very helpful. And She's going to join us later. Yeah. And she didn't give away any secrets. That's the thing about it, me anyway. When I listen to the scanner, I don't want to give away any secrets that will jeopardize anybody. And no matter what side, I just want to give pure information and then put my dumb twist on it. You know what well, I mean? Well, you, you did it. And before we break, I just want to ask, who's Woodward and who's Bernstein? I just want to get <laughs> We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Welcome back. Jason and Alexis in the morning. Special edition of our show. We're going to be on until 10 a.m. this morning, followed by Donna and Steve. 10 to noon, Kalina Bradley, noon to 3, and then Lori and Julia, 3 to 6. It is a Monday, June 1st. Matt Belanger joins us now with an update on the headlines uh, for the hour. Good morning again, Matt. Hi, Jason. Good morning, everyone. Yes, uh, I think that the image everyone continues to wake up with today is what we saw unfold live last evening on television, in fact, when that huge group of uh, officials estimating upwards of 6,000 people were gathered right there on the 35W Bridge in, in Minneapolis. And then all of a sudden, they started to scatter, and then this tanker truck comes rolling into the frame out of nowhere, really, and uh, and, and leaves people just, just so shaken after this now luckily we're, we're not learning of any serious injuries after this and the highways were closed at the time part of the investigation is looking into you know where the truck came from how it got onto the highway in the first place the driver i can report for you this morning's arrested and in custody uh, on probable cause assault charges haven't officially been filed yet investigators say they're reviewing the evidence they got to look at the video they got to look at other people's video who might have been recording with their phones there on the bridge to, to really make a determination about that. We have no idea about the motive. The company uh, the truck belongs to did issue a statement saying that uh, it's cooperating fully with investigators, but really echoed that sentiment. We don't know what was happening with this driver. Uh, but, but I can tell you what's irrefutable there on the video is, is the, the truck's at speed as it approaches that, that large crowd on the bridge. It's hard to believe the driver didn't see all of those people standing there. Also from overnight, uh, later in the evening, um, a much smaller group of people, about 150 people who refused to leave Washington Avenue, which, again, not far from the bridge right there, uh, were surrounded by law enforcement and National Guard members, and eventually they were all peacefully taken into custody. About 150 individuals arrested there for violating the curfew that went into effect at 8 o'clock that night. A huge military presence at the State Capitol building in St. Paul as well. And uh, overnight, one more thing to mention here this morning, that uh, there was a, a gathering as well, again, at 38th in Chicago, right there outside of Cup Foods, where George Floyd was was arrested and died. It's really become this, this sacred space where people still this morning, sun's up, they're bringing flowers, they're kneeling down, they're grieving uh, right there at that, at that intersection. And I, I suspect that's something we're going to see happening right there at 38th in Chicago for, uh, in this, the South Minneapolis area for, for quite some time. Matt, thank you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning, my friend. Stay safe. And speaking of that sacred space, a little bit later, Robin Roberts spoke with George Floyd's brother, who will be visiting the site. Um, I believe today or tomorrow we'll have a little bit of that interview coming up. But right now, Lex? Yes. Oh, hey, I am in- excited to introduce to you James Garrett Jr. He is a business owner, architect of Formula. It's his business name. He's a community leader, five-generation St. Paul resident. Uh, he's the father of two young boys. He's been in a lot of talks over the weekend about what needs to happen. And uh, I'm excited to welcome you to the show. Hi, James. Hey, thank you, Alexis. Hey, I, can you 
tell us why this moment is so important? You know, I think for me, this moment is is really important because it it represents a possible inflection point um, between the trajectory that we as a society and as a community here in the Twin Cities and nationally um, have been on. And I think it provides an opportunity for us to change that trajectory and change that direction. Sometimes it, it takes um, these tragic events to raise people's awareness of things that are going on on a daily basis and have gone on um, for dozens of years, decades, centuries, um, that people aren't always aware of or cognizant of on a daily basis. Uh, for me, for my family, for my community, um, these are things that we have to think about and that we have to deal with every day of our lives, that we have to educate our children about. Um, it's something that we don't have the luxury or the privilege to be able to say, oh, it's an inconvenient time. Um, I, had a, I had a friend, uh, a good time, a longtime friend last night reach out to me and say that, you know, he wants to help and he wants to do this and that and the other thing. And could I give him some ideas of ways he could get involved? And so, you know, I quickly, you know, I was trying to multitask and I gave him two or three things and said, you know, Hey, and you know, he hit me back and said, Oh, well right now isn't really a good time. I've got this going on. I've got that going on and some other stuff going on personally with my family or whatever. No, what is it's the right always time? an inconvenient time for, mm -hmm. for us, but we don't have the luxury of saying, well, we'll address this existential threat yeah. at a time that is appropriate for us. So, you know, I told him, I said, hey, there'll be plenty of work to get done when you're ready to do the work. But I'm on my way out here now to, you know, to feed people and to try to fix stuff and to try to, you know, get in where I fit in in terms of making making an impact. But when you're whenever you're ready, whenever it's convenient, feel free. James, how do we make sure? Obviously, we all want justice uh, for George Floyd's family. We want we want the, the 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 cops involved to be taken in and charged. But how do we make sure that that is a catalyst for substantial change? How do we make sure that once justice is found in 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 the George Floyd case, that it doesn't just vanish off Twitter and, and, and the headlines. How do we make sure that this serves as a catalyst for much needed bottom to top tip to tail change? You know, I think that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of people sort of behind the scenes that are self-organizing around some of these issues of equity and justice. Um, I think there's going to be a massive sort of restructuring of society and there's got to be uh, a massive uh, redistribution of resources to communities that have been sort of left out um, for long periods of time. And I don't know, I honestly don't know if society is ready to do that yet. Um, I know there's a lot of people, but are those people that are actually, you know, having their, their fingers on the levers of power, are they at that point? Are they at that place? And, um, you know, there's also a lot of pushback. Every time, you know, we make progress, there's always a lot of backlash and a lot of pushback. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, in particular, the eight years that we had with President Obama 
um, and the progress that was made economically, the progress that was made um, in a lot of ways in this society. And then the pushback from that has been horrific. And, you know, the current occupants of the White House and that whole movement, uh, sort of fanatical sort of movement that says that he can do anything, you know, that he wants without any repercussion, that whole thing, you know, is a reaction to the progress that was made. Mm. And so in this country, we always seem to regress after we move forward. And so, you know, hopefully this time we can move forward beyond that and begin to build bridges with people that are looking to, to make an impact and to make a difference and find solutions without then regressing backwards in some really crazy situation again. So, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm skeptical whether we're going to have justice. First of all, I mean, I have to be honest about that. We've seen time and time again, um, with Jamar Clark, um, with Philando Castile. Um, we've seen it over and over again, countless times here locally and nationally that there usually isn't justice, right? That that's something yes. that it's optimistic at best mm-hmm. for that out there and, and use that as the premise um, for a, taking a position moving forward. Um, but I think we really have to focus on finding justice right now and keep that focus because it is not uh, in any way guaranteed. And if, you know, past precedent is um, any guide towards, you know, future outcome, we're in for a long, a long period of time here and a really, really dark period of time. Uh, Kenny. Uh, James, I, I'm buddies with uh, Reverend Tim, who uh, lives over uh, on the north side here in Minneapolis, works at a Baptist ch- church up there. He's a community leader, a strong voice, but is totally ignored from both political parties in the city and uh, has has recently come to the attention of uh, the Capitol. And I've been talking with him for a year, year and a half now, and uh, he, I share everything you say about justice, but... I feel like as a a white dude on the south side, other than protesting, there's nothing I can do. But I I keep what what Reverend Tim uh, in his voice, uh, his words keep echoing in my mind is giving the black community hope. And, And number one and most important is through justice. But also Tim likes to talk about how he wants to give the young men and women of his community hope by giving getting them education and getting them good call a good blue-collar jobs and i i can only i can only refer to my son who's 20 now he went to a one year of trade school and he's now working a blue-collar construction job and james he is making serious coin Uh, and he's banking it and it's amazing to see and there's so many kids in these low-income areas that all they need is hope they need to get uh, they need to be given the opportunity to go to a trade school to get a good job and start making good money. Is there anything we can do to help that? To help that help uh, happen? Not only the justice hope, but the hope for a good, bright future. Is there anything we can do? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a ton of stuff that can be done, and I mean, I guess I would like to sort of challenge the premise that a blue collar job is necessarily. Um, the means to access 
um, sort of a hopeful, uh, bright, optimistic future. I mean, I think it starts with basic general respect, being able to be respected, um, all the microaggressions and things that we receive on a daily basis, regardless of what color our collar is, is completely unacceptable. It's infuriating, and it's something that, you know, we're not always in a position um, with the power dynamics to be able to sort of respond to it, and we sort of have to sort of allow it to sort of roll off our shoulders, you know, um, for periods of time. But that, that builds up and it, it makes you uh, negative towards and suspicious of anybody that's, that's offering to help. When Minnesota is like, it's, it's the place of, of microaggressions. It is literally the home, the capital of microaggressions against uh, black people and, and people of color. Um, the subtle innuendo, the um, assumptions that people aren't capable of, doing even basic things that they're actually very good at, the right. not giving people chances because, oh, well, you know, we think you're smart. We think you're great. We think this, that, thing. However, we just feel more comfortable going in this other direction with the people oh. that look just like us who've been continuing oh. to do this, and we're just going to keep the opportunity together. But we're going to say all these platitudes as if you're stupid and completely incapable of understanding the undertones of what all this means is that in defense of the system that's already in place, as much as we like you, as as much work as we acknowledge that you've done, as intelligent as you are, as great as your resume and portfolio is, we're going to, you're still number two because we're just going to go with this mediocre person who's done half as much as you has not put in, you know, the amount of work that you've put in is not as as prepared and as focused as you but we just feel more comfortable working with this person. That That is the underlying reason why we have the disparities in our communities yeah. here. So yeah. although I think blue-collar jobs are great, I think white-collar jobs are great as well. And what I think is even greater is allowing each kid, you know, to have that opportunity exactly. to reach to whatever yep. Yep. level that career that they choose. And who knows, one of these kids and one of these underserved communities may be the one to cure cancer, right? You know, maybe the person to take us to Mars, right? But we'll never know because we're already saying that we're limiting them at having a blue-collar job, you know, is like the height of whatever your potential is. And I don't necessarily um, subscribe to that. I absolutely see your point, and the reason I brought it up, it's the frame of reference I have from my kid who didn't want to go to a four-year college, didn't want to, wasn't interested in college, wasn't interested in a white-collar job, and didn't want to pay college off for the rest of his life. You know what I mean? Uh, and and that's my frame of reference. Well, yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. I have people in, in my family that are like that and friends in my community that, that are like that, and... uh you know, there are wonderful contributions that everyone can make if they're allowed to be yep. become fully actualized Amen. human yep. beings. Mm-hmm. And when you care about people, when you show love to people, when you treat them with respect and dignity and, uh, and show that you're generally interested in their well-being and helping them reach that full potential, whatever that is, whatever they're interested in, whether they're interested in, you know, swinging a hammer and building, you know, building skyscrapers, or whether they're interested in microbiology and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, rocket science. Those are things that should all be supported, and those dreams should all be within reach for everybody. You know, it, 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 there was a situation um, 
you know, just a little background about me. You know, my uh, family goes way back in, in this community in St. Paul, back into the late 1800s. Hey, James, can um, I James, can I interrupt yeah. you real quick? Is there any way, could sure. you hang can on? You could you stay for one more segment? Of course. We, yeah, we got to take, I did not mean to interrupt you, but I, I want you, I don't want to cut you short with your, with your words. So we're going to take a small break and we'll be back with more right after this. Our special guest, James Garrett Jr., we continue our conversation with him. Garrett, we just have, sadly, we could talk to you all day. We just have a few more minutes. You began, before I had to break for commercial, telling a little bit about your background. Could you pick it up from there, my friend? Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Um, you know, I was just going to mention that, you know, I'm a fifth-generation um, member of the community here in, in St. Paul. My great-great-grandmother, um, as we understand, it was the first uh, African-American homeowner on Lando Orlando Avenue in wow. St. Paul back in the around the turn of the century. And uh, my grandfather um, was a St. Paul police officer for 42 years, James Griffin. Um, Griffin Stadium um, at St. Paul Central High School is named after him, as well as the St. Paul Police Headquarters is named the James S. Griffin Building down on Grove Street. Um, so my family has been a stalwart member of the community um, for many, many generations here in St. Paul. And my grandfather's godfather, um, Clarence Cap Whittington happened to be the first black municipal architect in the United States and was a city architect for decades here in St. Paul and built many of the, the St. Paul public landmarks uh, that we recognize, the Highland Water Tower, um, um, my grade school, uh, my mom's high school, Washington High School, um, dozens of buildings, um, many that are on historical register. Um, and so when I was a little kid, I decided I wanted to be an architect. That was what was my passion. That was something that was sort of part of my family legacy. And when I got to, to high school, Central High School, you know, I was told that I couldn't take the architecture class because the architecture class was reserved for a certain group of older students that, you know, they looked all white to me, you know, in a very mm-hmm. diverse high school. There were no students of color taking the architecture class. I wanted to take that class. They told me that, oh, yeah, you're not really able to take the class because there's all these requirements, whatever. So I brought my parents up to school to find out, you know, what, what the hell's going on and why can't my son register for this class? So they said, oh, well, you know, we just think it's more likely that, um, you know, he, he needs to take machine part drafting because, you know, we just feel like it's more likely that he would be a draftsman or something someday and so we want to make sure that he's prepared wow. prepared for oh that you know they, they didn't necessarily think that architecture was something that you know i was maybe capable of doing at the time right even though you know my great uncle was yeah. you know had been the city architect you know from the 1920s to the 1950s wow. and you know so whatever so the compromise the minnesota nice compromise is that okay if i can draw you know do 50 machine parts sort of projects where you draw them, you draft them, you do perspectival drawings of them, like the whole thing, and then you hand them in, they get corrected, you redraw them, you get them perfect, and then you hand them in, you, you advance on to the next one. And if I got to like 50, I think they said, then I could take the architecture class. So I was like, okay, fine, 50, whatever. After about a year, I realized that I'd only gotten to, I think, 16 or something like that. I'd finished like 16 in that year, and I realized, I started doing the math, and I started realizing, I'm going to graduate before I ever get to 50. There's no way that I'm going to get to 50. And I feel like they knew that too, right? So they set the bar somewhere, and that's the Minnesota nice compromise. They won't just tell you no. 
will say, okay, well, this is a compromise. If you do this, then you can qualify for that. But they set the bar at a place that it's completely so unattainable, high. and you waste yeah. all this time and energy trying to get there, and then you realize they could have just saved time and just said, you know, absolutely no. Um, and so what I found is in my life, um, that's been typical. You know, that has been a typical thing. You know, when I reached university, um, when I was in graduate school, the bar has always moved. There's always people in positions of authority with levers on the fingers of um, on uh, fingers on the lever of power that can move the goalposts for you and make it virtually impossible for you to achieve your goal. And that's they don't do it in in the old school way where they just you know call yeah. you a racial epithet and say no. But it's this this whole subtle movement of the goalposts and making it seem like it's an illusion. James, we sadly, we're up against, we're up against a hard break. James, I'm so sorry. We we got to take a break. Thank Thank you you so much.